Welcome to the Fail Forward podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to change the negative stigma around failure into a positive. Failure is only a negative if we do not learn from it and we give up. Welcome back to the Fail Forward podcast. Today, I've got the amazing Keely Taverner on the show. Today, we're going to be talking all things around what Keely does, how she can help people. So Keely, tell me um, what you what you currently do and then a little bit of your backstory about how you got there. So I help people who are trying to deal and heal with narcissistic individuals. They come to me once they've realized they're in a situation, they've either found me on socials. And then we start to look at the dynamics in terms of what's going on and how best to move forward. I'm a psychotherapist, so I'm trained in dealing with, you know, the unconscious, which often is the real root of the problem, which often has links back to our childhood so that people, it makes sense to people why they understand all this knowledge because they've been Googling, reading about it, yet their behavior is often concerning for them being that they go back or they stay or they hope that someone will change. Sure, okay. and and. Um... I mean, firstly, that's amazingly empowering to be able to help people do that, which is absolutely amazing. I absolutely love people that help and serve. But tell me, how did you get to this point? Like, what what was the, it? What were you doing before, and how did you get to the point where you thought I really needed to go and help people who are suffering from narcissistic relationships? Well, it was my own situation. So I was involved with an incredibly selfish man, baffled why I kept going back. We had two children together. And then that tragedy took me to self-help reading. So I read my first self-help book, left school with no qualifications, was quite happy to get pregnant and continue to work at the local Ikea. And that first self-help reading as I began, because everybody judged me, everyone was like, we could see he was a, he was a wrong one. Um, so I found it really difficult. I just, I didn't know where to go, but self-help books was my saving grace. And, and the first self-help book, book I read was In the Meantime by Jan Levansam. I'd seen her on Oprah. And then I read another of her books and another one of her books. And then one book was talking about going back to college to get an education. And I kind of, I was just moved by it. And that's when I decided to go back to college. I did an access to psychology course and then went on to do my degree in psychology, um, ended up having a work placement with it, ended up working in prisons in the area where I grew up. So, you know, there was the whole good girl, bad girl mix. And um, it was very interesting when you work for probation and you're the girl from the estate, you know? Um, and then probation was quite a dead end job. It was quite all consuming and I didn't really feel that we could help in a way that made a difference. I used to work on the offender behavior programs, sex offender program, thinking skills programs, anger management, but it just felt very, I felt there was a ceiling and I didn't quite fit. I didn't want to become a psychologist. They, they were a bit too wooden for me. I was a, a bit more eclectic in my thinking. So that's what inspired me to go back to do a master's in person-centered psychotherapy. And I, and I trained at a renowned institute, whereas around a lot of middle-class people had come from a, a council estate in Northwest London. And I think that really inspired me because it was just normal that you would qualify, get your own business. And so that, that rubbed off on me. And then when I qualified, that's exactly what I did. Amazing. Love that. So, so, so how did it feel being, being in that environment when like you say the girl from the estate and then now you're in this like middle-class environment, how did that feel? I felt deeply inadequate because, you know, I might be going to the chicken shop for lunch and everybody's, you know, bringing in their organic foods and off to M&S and Waitrose. So for, but, but I was mentored as well. Um, uh, one of the people who I was training with, she was a judge and she just took me under her wing. I think every time I've leveled up, someone on the journey has kind of taken to me and warmed to me and, and just helped me to navigate spaces that I wasn't used to, wasn't comfortable with. Sometimes I was in all white groups, I'm mixed heritage, and I'm from a working class background. So I needed support and I needed guidance, especially because the friends who I'd grown up with, we were more or less kind of doing similar things. And I didn't wanna just be a baby mama pushing me pram on the estate and waiting to be housed. I had a desire for more and that isolated me at points on my journey. And so the mentors who, who well, I call them mentors, they just say they're my friends, but they really, they really supported me the whole way through. And 
I am in- internally grateful for them. Yeah, absolutely love that. And I'm I'm sure that is a lot to do with the person you are because we all, it all instantly clicked when we, we met um, a few weeks ago. Um, and I'm sure that's just down to the person you are. So through that time, did you have an end goal? What was your what was your goal and vision when you were training? What like, was it just, I know you said you didn't, didn't want to just be the girl in the estate, um, you know, waiting to be housed, but what was your overall goal and vision with it all? I think I think when I, I, I did the access course, then I realised I could get to uni I realised that was a vehicle to get to university. I applied to Brunel, but I didn't have maths GCSE. So they said I couldn't get in, which was the only uni I wanted to go to because it was local. I had two kids at the time. So I just wrote them a letter. I begged, said I'd get private tuition. They let me in. And I think my ov- my overall aim was to get through each semester. I'd, I'd left school with no quali- you know, no GCSEs. Um, I didn't know how to spare their, their, their you know, there's a lot of theirs. I've got I've got no GCSEs and I, even now I'm still thinking come without on. the right there. Listen, I don't know. I come on from a semicolon <laughs> or a full stop, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, my seven-year-old daughter knows more about English than I do already. So you know, I, you I, I feel that. I feel that, Keely. There for sure. you go. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how I got. I got. I just got. I just chunked down. It was a four-year degree, and I knew if I could just get from September to December, that would be. That was that. And then it just. It just kept rolling, and my aspirations initially was just to get. I wanted to be a psychologist. It was the first time I've ever dreamed. I'd never had a vision for my life, but by taking small steps, it began to feel like I was getting momentum. Plus I took a degree with a placement, which is where I got my first job volunteering at, at Wormwood Scrub. So that was, that felt good. My biggest fear was when I graduated, would I get a job? And people were like, oh, no one get people don't get a job. People don't, but that wasn't gonna be my story. So I, I got a job as a drug and alcohol worker and then got pulled up, pulled in. Actually, my uh, Lara Jonah, psychologist at the prison, felt that I'd be good for probation doing the programme. So I managed to get through that way. And um, and then I kind of always felt like once I got a probation job, I'd settle. And then you realise you get there and you're like, this is quite disappointing. Or they, they'd threaten us with redundancy and you're like, you want to make us redundant, but this place is full, like there's prisoners coming in all the time. So I, it was just, I just didn't like being disempowered. And I think once I started to train as a psychotherapist, I was around different types of people who were, it wasn't a thing like that low, low expectation wasn't a thing. And that, that rubbed off on me and that's how I developed Key for Change. Yeah, absolutely love that. And and I can see a theme here already that you've just got some really big drive and determination. Like you're a determined human being. Like to say, oh, they said no to no because I've got maths GCSE. Most people would just go, oh, I can't go there then. But like to send a letter and go, look, like you need, I need to be in on this, like amazing. And then you can see through each, each step already, we're only eight minutes into this podcast, like the drive and determination to push on is amazing. So, um, and I'm sure that drive and determination was there when you were in that relationship. But how difficult was it to get out of that relationship? How difficult was it to to, to move on? And, and what were the key things that you needed to do to get out of it? I think us ladies have to be honest. Sometimes we're digmatized. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we're digmatized. And you've got yeah. to have a word with your lady flower because you can't just let your lady flower rule you. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, bro? Yeah. you yeah. got to keep her in check. Otherwise, it's just not good for your head, <laughs> you know? So I think I think once the violence kicked in, I have a little a scar here from from the last um, violent assault I was exposed to. And, and that actually happened the more I was distancing myself. I was educating myself. I was starting to move in circles. And one of the, the factors of domestic abuse is you actually can be more vulnerable when you begin to shift away. When they realise the power is gone, that's actually when you're you're quite vulnerable. And I think, uh, uh, I think when you've got nothing to lose, it's the value of having nothing to lose. I'll ask. I'll, I have no shame in asking because what's the worst they could tell me? Is no. What's waiting for me? Life on the estate or sitting in temporary housing, waiting for them to house me. I've got friends who've just been housed. Their kids are now twenty. You know, so I didn't have I didn't have nothing, nothing to lose. And I think my mum's a raster 
And so all of the good vibes music, the inspirational music, the spiritual music, it kind of meant within me, I had a hard drive of, yeah, life is sticky, but you've got to try, have faith, keep pushing on. And like I said, around me, all these people just kept coming who pushed me and inspired me. And, you know, sometimes my own family weren't able to necessarily do that at times because they kind of had me stuck in a box, in a role, thought that, you know, well, you know, here she is in a mayhem relationships, two kids working at Ikea. There wasn't much expectation of me, but but actually being the underdog can be incredibly advantageous if you use it to your advantage. And and now as a psychotherapist, you know, I've got clients who are like, oh God, it's just, it's just, I can, I can relate to people. I say it as it is. And I think people are, are keen to be, to be told exactly what, you know, there's space to give people to muse, but sometimes you just need to call it out and say it as it is. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love the underdog. I've been an underdog my whole life. Um, and yeah, and I love it. I've always sport the underdog, um, apart from I'm a Man United fan, but that's a different story. They're now the underdog. They're now the underdog. Anyway, to, to one side, like I love, I love the, the underdog. And you're right, like when you've got nothing to lose, like there's only one way, there's only one way to go, right? And, and, Another thing I was just thinking of, because I just got off another podcast interview with someone, and they were talking about how influential we are between naught and seven and how, how important that is. And you mentioned about your mum being a raster and having all these good vibes music. Like, I love that that was around you. Like, yes, talking about being on the estate and that environment might not have been great, but having that music, like, and I've never even, it's just clicked when you were talking then. Like, it's not just what we say to our children. It's also like what we do. And having that positive music around you is definitely, you can see that that's giving you that, that good vibe and that that positivity I absolutely love that and and when I'd feel like giving up as I often did some song would come into my head you know like yes you got to be strong some sizzler something would come in my head and I'm like oh well I've just just got to keep keep trying so I see failure as a part of success and I think and I say this to my clients all the time anytime you level up you've got to expect that challenges will happen, it's a part of the journey. It doesn't mean you turn away. It means, okay, this has happened. Now, How? what do I need to do? What do I need, how, how do I regroup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's challenges along every way, isn't there? Like whether you, do, whether you don't make the right decisions or you do, there's like every level you go. So what was your advice to people who are going through those challenges and, and how to push through them? I think firstly, I think you have to have wise counsel. You've got to have people around you who you can trust, who you can confer with. And if you can get over shame and embarrassment, if you've got trusted confidence, and sometimes you might need to pay for people, you know, like pay for professional support. I started, when I finished my degree, I remember paying 30 pounds to see somebody. She was an NLP coach to help me with confidence because I didn't think I'd get a job. It was the first time I ever took my money and paid someone. And that, that for me was, uh, was, was a game changer because it, it signaled to me that I was serious about my career. So I think you have to have trusted confidence. You've got to check your circle. You've got to check who's in your circle. Some people need not to be in your circle. You've got to check your redial list. I always tell people, go, go look in your WhatsApps. Those first 10 people, those are the people you need to work, are they good for me? You know, and, and, there, will, and there will be loss. There will be there will be relationship casualties. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like as you as you grow, go through the different environments, and you know, like you can't pick your environment when you're younger, but you can when you're older. Like when you get into adult life, you're right. Like the people you there's that saying there's the you are the sum of the five people you spend most time with, and that's so right, isn't it? Like it's, I, it's... I think I think the biggest challenge though is the, is the isolation on the journey. You you kind of sometimes question it as relationships might fall apart, family might not be as supportive as you once hoped they were, because they have a, a kind of role that they expect you to perform in. And when you start to break out of that, that can be, um, it can be uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the important reasons. It's, it's a bit like, you know, the way I've met you is, I need to meet other people who are business owners, who want to support and help people. And I think having a community of people is essential to one of the reasons why I joined. and. And look, look at what's manifested from that. 
Yeah, exactly that. And you're right, like your family want you to be, um, and it's not out of them not loving you or wanting the best for you. Generally, the reason why your family pull you back in is because they, they generally care about you and don't want you to step out and get hurt in the big wide world. But actually what happens is you get hurt in the big wide world, whether you step in or step out of that anyway. So so like there is so much loss from not doing and not taking action and not trying to move, move out of it. So yeah, you're exactly right there. And then And then what you said about failure is the key to success. That is so true. So tell me more about your thoughts around that. Well, I think you have to learn that ad adversity can make you advantageous. Yes. And it may not feel like, and sometimes the odds are stacked against, against you. Like I'm in a very white middle class industry. And at times I felt hard done by, it's much harder for me to navigate those spaces, but with perseverance and endurance and taking calculated risks, one of the things I, I've done in the business is I took on leases rather than hiring rooms by the hour, I'll take on a lease. So that then also gave me an extra income. That income used to be more than I'd get for probation. So, you know, if you've got that hustler's mindset, you know, that's, the, that's what I've been brought up around and people weren't always doing that legally, but you can take from that and think, oh, well, how can I do that pro-socially? You know what? So I'm a therapist, but there's other aspects of the business, you know, that can assist you and help you. But you, there, there is, is the perseverance, which isn't always easy. And yeah, I've had to work part time, you know, juggle, hustle, nip out of work, drive up to my office, come back when they thought I was on the wings, but I was seeing private clients. Like, there's a book by Natalie Ola called Steal as much as you can. And that's about working class people who are aspirational, doing as much as they can in, on the, in the working day on their time. Yeah, because, you know, some, some of those jobs, like they're relentless in terms of the things you have to keep going, keep going, stop it, right? Make time to do the things to help you elevate, to help make sure that you, you, you begin to move in the direction of your dreams. Because for everybody who comes to see me, and people think really, and I promote this, that I specialise in narcissism, that's the hook. I'm really about your potential. Because once you get all that narcissism out the way and you realise how much energy you've put into trying to change, change someone else, that energy is available to yourself. What are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What abandoned dreams do you have from your childhood or people told you you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that, so you've settled? But this thing inside you still knocks at you. It won't leave you alone. That's what I'm really passionate about. But selling potential isn't so sexy. You know what I'm saying? But from the adversity of the adverse relationship, there is an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely love that. Sell them what they want, give them what they need, right? There you go. And every day I get messages, pictures, tags, for people who've began to reclaim their power. And th that's why there's no need for revenge with narcissists. Do you invest in you, excel in your own life, and that it takes care of itself. It just takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. Because, you know, it, it's... um. It must be, I couldn't ever imagine being in that situation, but it must be a really, really difficult situation when you're being put put down on a regular basis and then you can't live, like you can't feel like you're, you can, you can step out of that, that zone and, and go and live the dreams that you have because everyone dreams, right? Everyone has aspirations to be more. It's just having the confidence to go out and do that. So rolling on, um, you know, to, to now, to where you are now and how you help people. You know, obviously you have people moving towards you to, to get out of that narcissistic relationship, but then you then help them with their confidence. How do you go about doing that? What's your dream? What, what do you enjoy? What do you like? And for some people, remember narcissists often target people with fragile personalities. They've got a fragile sense of self. This is one of the ways they become enmeshed and lose themselves in the relationship. So, so the, one, of, one of the tools I have, especially if someone doesn't have a sense of self, is I do a bucket list. I used to use these in prisons because prisoners often struggled to find things that they wanted to do. Like, all right, so let's just do a bucket list. A bucket list gives me a great insight into the activities that inspire someone. And so, you know, the next thing is, well, what are you going to do about it? 
I've, I've been working with a client recently. He's, he's from the motherland and every week he dresses in, like it, to me, it's safari colors, like safari outfit. And I said to him, you, you dress like you're ready for safari every week. And he's like, well, you know, I'm a motherland man. And I said, so, so when was your last holiday? He can't remember. And I said, so you're dressed for adventure, but you don't have any adventures. Last week he brought in a new passport. Like that to me is just, you know, it's just because who knows what, what may unfurl from just one small comment that led to, and then has now led to him taking action. Like that for me is, it's just goosebump worthy. And every day I see these small changes just from some small comment I might make about something that doesn't seem so relevant to the therapy room, but is actually profoundly important. So just love what I do. Just love that. Yeah. And it's bespoke to everybody you meet, right? It's not generic. Every human's different. Every human's wired differently. Every, every human's carrying their own bag of adversity. So it's unique to every single person. Client said to me last week, there's nothing special about me. I just had to like, I was like, there's work to be done. <laughs> there's work to be done here. Everyone's got something special. Everyone's got their own uh, And it's no wonder the narcissist has got old of you if you believe that about yourself. It's never about them. It's always about you. By the time they've got hold of you, they've just, they've just ridden you like a pony. And it's time to take back your power. Yeah, yeah, absolutely love that. And and do you see like cause you work with people on on the receiving end? Do you see like narcissists? Are they on their own journey? Is there any help for a narcissist? Like, are they? Uh, do you just see them going down the same broad, sort of dead end roads all the time, or is is that something you ever involved in? Yeah, yeah, I get a few. I get a few coming to me. Um, it doesn't usually last too long because. <laughs> they don't usually like me after a while or if they come as a couple usually they start to say the therapist is shit which is fine i thought i said i think to the lady i knew i, I said i thought i warned you yeah and that's usually we are encouraged not to, to to pursue therapy with people who we overtly know are but i have worked with um definitely a few and it's it's very tricky because you have to get good therapy is about getting beyond your defenses and narcissists are, are particularly defended people. And that might be for very good reasons because they have their own traumas. I've worked with enough psychopaths, narcissists, sociopaths through prison. So mine isn't, oh, I just read it or my daughter's dad's one. Like I've had to work professionally. So getting beyond the defense is very difficult. Usually if they sharpen therapy, there's an agenda. Miss is gonna leave them or they're gonna be an expensive divorce. And that fakeness, it, it shows up, so... Yeah, they're turning up because they're, they're trying to play a game, aren't they, really, do you think? Or evidence, mental health problems to try to get a, a, a letter for court. There's usually an agenda and I'm pretty good. You can feel people out, so it doesn't... Not with me, anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not the best person because I say it as it is, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Exactly yeah. that and love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you think where does ego play into all of this? Because I know that certainly from my perspective, ego gets in the way a lot when I'm learning something new, for example. I have to try and leave my ego at the door to lean into learning. But cause if I sit there, my arms folded and I'm just not going to learn. So where do you think ego plays into this, into a, into the role of not just narcissists, but like even even um, trying, to, trying to influence people and give people your content? Where do you think ego plays into all of this? Well, I think we all have an ego. Um, so narcissists and empaths go together. So the clients I work with tend to be highly empathic people uh, generally. Um, and so lots, a lot of the victims of narcissists don't believe they have an ego. But if you're going above and beyond all the time, you're clearly, that's about your ego. If you you're can't feed, let go of it. You're feeding it. Yeah. Yeah. Your ego can't let go. My my thinking around ego is inspired by Dr. Wayne Dyer's Edge God Out. Because I do believe narcissism and empaths, that is a spiritual issue. Because narcissists have God complex and they need faithful worshippers. Which you have often, many of my clients have been. So the the ego of the narcissist, we know it's a massive ego. It needs to be fed. Often the issue is roots right back down to childhood 
very difficult childhoods, just as the same as highly empathic people. Highly empathic people may well have had their own distress in childhood, but they have to check their own ego. Often their ego is about perpetually helping. And often highly empathic people can help without invitation. That's not helpful to you. Why is your ego built upon perpetual self-sacrifice? How does that feed you? As a therapist, I have to be mindful of my own ego. One of the things you said at the beginning is, you know, it's good to help people. I, I think I just show people how they screwed. I hold up the mirror, right? I'm showing you how you screw yourself over. Now, you've got choices about what you do moving forward. Often the biggest challenge to the choices people make is their ego. We don't want it to look bad. You put it on the gram, didn't you? Got 10 likes from your mates because that's the man of your life now and things have gone belly up. Now your egos are into play. So you're going to fight to keep the relationship, Cheryl Cole. We're going to fight, 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 fight for this love. Sister, if you got to fight that hard. <laughs> love it, love it. So how do, you, um, how do you work with people to get them around that ego then? How does, how does that work? I, I don't get them around it. I show them. Yeah, I, I show them when there is resistance. It's often when the resistance shows up, that's where the ego is into play. So saying no, asking for help, being vulnerable, you'll often find the ego at interplay there or trying things new. Like that can have a massive impact on people because they don't want to look stupid. Perfectionists are also a beautiful... Um, give you beautiful insight to the ego everything all the ducks have to be lined up in a row and so if you can help people you know a lot of people when they come into therapy they live in their heads they 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 they're tight they're trying to work everything out with their tiny mind if they're spiritual if they've got a spiritual composite i say let go let god but even on the phone if someone phones up i can tell because they're like well where will i be at the end of 10 sessions i don't fucking know I don't know where you'll be. I trust the process, you know? So there's often this need to know, wanting, wanting it like step by step, that's often your ego. Can you surrender? Trust the process, trust the process. You do not have the answers to everything. And in the West, we live in our heads. We're disconnected from our body. And there's so much information, your intuition, feelings. Like if you look at your phone, someone's on there and you roll your eyes. This is clearly a person who's not great for your greatness. But we ignore these things, we override them, and then we wonder how we end up depressed. And your head's always trying to work it out, you know? And I get it, but there is, if you can, if you can learn to trust the process, know that you're doing good things, sowing, good things will come, but you have to get out of your own way. I think ego results in us getting in our own way. Mm. And, and impatience as well because you want to want it done yesterday i certainly absolutely. do all absolutely 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 uh, and we live in a culture that promotes that thought about having a mcdonald's next thing you know ding dong they're at your door remember you and i used to watch dallas you have to wait one week for a next episode on a wednesday not now not now you can literally binge it there's even i was, I was on netflix last night and they've even got a binge worthy category so even like promoting it like we want you to sit here for 10 hours like literally like on repeat, on repeat. And, and is it, isn't it interesting, right? Binge is often, binge was associated with binge eating, which isn't good, right? Binge eating is not good, but they want you to binge watch. So they, they promote it. They promote it, put it on the billboard, bill, binge watch worthy. So there you are sitting there consuming and eating, usually the two go hand in hand, putting on weight, getting depressed and baffled why. Get off the television because that was someone's dream. Whatever you're consuming was someone's dream that they had to sacrifice to create. What about your dream? You're consuming someone's dream. Where's your dreams? Where's your aspirations? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mic drop, exactly that. Like, it, it, you know, who is who is living your dream? And, you know, that's uh, how, how do you get to, to live your dream? Um, if you're consuming, if you're binge watching. Yeah. I, I go out to places, parties, and I hear people talking about, like, conversation is, what are you watching on Netflix? I'm like, bloody hell. Like, nothing. They they took mine off the telly the other day because I was using my kids' one. I went to talk, go and watch Black Mirror because a client told me to watch it. No, no, there's no Netflix no more. It's gone. 
That's fine. Get up. Go and do something else. Read a book. Listen to listen to a podcast. Diary of a CEO. Something to just keep my brain. You know, you've got to think about what you consume. A lot of people are stuck listening to the news, gripped by fear. Gripped by fear, and and it's like what you feed, what you feed yourself, what you water in your garden with. You know, what are you what are you telling your mind when you're filling it with that? Because, like, there's nothing ever positive happens on the news, right? Nothing, and it's it's a form of mind control. Take back your mind. It's the greatest thing you own. The greatest thing you own is in between your earlobes, not your Louis Vuitton belt and sliders. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do to, to cultivate your mind? You know, what's 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 a day in the life of Keely that helps you do, helps you do that? Well, yesterday, any drive which is over 45 minutes, I think, what can I listen to? Um, so I've been listening to Diary of a CEO, just listen to uh, Neil deGrasse. Is it deGrasse? The scientist, the professor. So, and I, I literally just I enjoy long drives like I sometimes I think I've become a nerd. <laughs> but it's good it's a good place to be right i know i just sometimes i do try and like if i'm if i'm back where my mum comes from and i put because i can get the pirate radio stations right and i do like to listen to them but once i get like and once i start to move out and like, going back home they fade and if they fade i just click on a podcast i just find it forever fascinating because i'm supporting people and if it what, what listen they, as my my tutor says the clients won't go where the therapist hasn't gone and I'm just, I dedicate my life to this. It's its like, it's just joy. I just enjoy what I do. So, you know, it would be lovely to have a partner, someone to share my life with. But obviously, you know, I'm in relationships every day and I'm very clear, <laughs> you know, and if, if you're not up to grade, I, it's everything's energy. I'm not here to change anyone. And so, you know, that shift's been pretty tricky I'm I, you know I'm, I'm I'm from northwest London a lot of the guys from there yep still love them but we're, we're on diff we're in different lanes and, and and I can't I can't make a sacrifice I'm not going to settle I'm afraid so at the moment it just means you know I throw myself into my passion at times that can be it can feel lonely you can feel like your friends are hitting certain milestones there's two incomes but you know what I I don't have any regrets. That's the way. That's the way to live life with no regrets. Yeah. You never know. He's out there somewhere. Yeah. No. Any. Any will be for sure. And and just keep doing what you're doing. Like it will come. It's always going to come good. I love your energy and your positivity. I love it. I love yeah. it. You know, every time I get rid of someone or I was trying really hard and I thought this one was the one and I've let go and then I met someone else thought that one and you know what? It's just a beautiful journey. If you can get your ego out the way, heartbreak is really egoic. How could they do this to me? I cared so much. You've got to be careful with heartbreak. You know, what can I do differently? How can I shake this energy off? Because if not, it can consume you. And then expand yourself. Try something different. Expose yourself to be an idiot doing something. Get out of your own way. Learn to laugh at yourself. I always, always know when I've healed when I can laugh at myself. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. So what do you do? Because this is a really interesting thing to ask because I, I, so I go through states where I'm super, super positive and then I'll have times when I'm really negative um, and I feel like my mindset's shifting into a negative place and then I have to catch myself to get myself back into a positive place. What do you do to change your state, to get yourself into that position, to be able to change state and lift a negative, a negative tra trajectory into a positive one? Well, I think firstly, the challenge you have with labeling things negative and positive is often unhelpful. I tell my clients sure. this all the time. It is what it is. If you're in this season, a season of low mood, if things are difficult, it is what it is. What's going on? What's gone wrong? Let's get curious about what's happened in your life. For example, my last low season, a relationship that I hoped would have been the one son failed. And that was really difficult and I felt incredibly sorry for myself. But I had to check myself. What was my aspirations? What were my hopes for that relationship? And what was I maybe superimposing onto the person? Well, I hoped that this would happen. I hoped that that would happen. I hoped maybe I'd move to another country. So what do I need to do? Well, maybe I need to go to America then and stay there for a couple of months. How can I empower myself? And we all have those seasons. They are an actual part of life. So if I know I'm heading up for a low, usually it's because of an intimate relationship. Let's be frank about it. Firstly, once I know, I get my therapist back involved. 
I'm unapologetic about getting myself psychological support. And sometimes with therapy, in the moment, you feel like you, you just paid a load of money, left there, you're still fucking crying. Or did you brought up more stuff about your mum and dad and why you're settling for crumbs, right? And then the, the gift of therapy is it, it kicks in when you least expect it. Like the other day I was driving, right? And I, I just, you know when you just feel good? And I thought, that was that, that. And I knew I was over it. And for many of us, we kind of want to like, when am I going to get over it? I can't tell you when, but if you keep sewing into yourself. So what did I do? I booked a three month holiday away, well, holiday, worked while I was away, pushed all my clients online, exposed myself to difference, did something I'd always wanted to do. And, and that helped to shift the energy. For many of us, what we do is we end up in our rooms, don't want to get out of bed, duvet, day, bun, bin, box set, binge watching, ordering from Uber Eats, and it then starts to consume you. Sometimes you have to defy the self, defy that part of you. That's not always easy. It's not always easy, but I'm just thinking about a podcast I was listening to, which is about the chimp brain, right? You either let your chimp brain control you or the human brain control you. That's the book, The Chimp Paradox. Yeah, so, so sometime, even this morning, I should have been at the gym at 6.30. Every morning I'm supposed to be there at 6.30. It was 7.30 when I got there, but the chimp was in control at 6.30. And then it just got to a point, I was like, get up, man. Are you going to get flat belly for the summer body key? Come on. Ain't going to happen on your back, girl. you got to have hacks. you got to have hacks because the system is serious, is serious out there. And if you're not careful... You're going to be, you know, so many people are, are miserable. And the, the rhetoric that we're being fed about mental health, it's not, it's not the false picture. They're going to keep promoting mental health, but they don't put on any more services. Actually, they diminish the services for people. If we're talking about mental health, then actually what we need to really be talking about is your potential. What about your potential? Now, I'm not saying people who fulfilled their potential, they haven't had their own issues, but that is such a buffer. How can you empower yourself? Often depressed people, they, they feel disempowered. So how can you empower yourself? Authenticity is also key to good, to, to your potential. Some of us want a biker jacket, but you can't buy a biker jacket because, oh, people aren't me, don't wear biker jackets because I'm from the ends and I've got to wear. So, like, buy the fucking biker jacket. Give yourself a chance. Let this part of you out. A lot of my clients come in, they're wearing black. You can't put a little colour in the wardrobe, sister. I love the conversation. You know what I'm saying? I've had conversation about a shoe. I said to one of my clients, I said, I said, sister, I can't help but see this hole in your shoe. I see the hole in your shoe. I felt, I felt very uncomfortable, but I had to say it. And we had a, a sometimes you see when you risk in therapy, it can be such a profound thing. And we had a profound conversation. She wouldn't allow herself to go in certain shops. She didn't think she was good enough. Next week, she came up with a bling pair of guest boots, man. Boom! You know, so a lot of us don't actually really look after ourselves. Be careful what's going out of your bank account. Pay attention to what you're paying for. A lot of people getting caught up. Okay, I can't afford therapy. Cool, you can't afford it. Well, what apps do you have on your phone? Oh, Boohoo. Oh, really, Boohoo. Yeah, Amazon.com. You came in your mind, you booked it, packed it. It's not great for you. Klarna's another one stressing people out. You keep buying things on these free pay payment plans, but you keep doing that. You'll have no money left. So you got you got to pay attention to yourself. Yeah, because they're just trying to put the put put a plaster over the feelings that they're doing rather than dealing with it, right? Because that that quick fix of of something bought is uh is just putting a plaster on it, but they're not actually dealing with, as you say, their potential and what they can do. And and then because you've now got the fancy car on tick, you got all your fancy clothes from Klarna right? The, the things that you want to do, you don't have the disposable income to do because you're now trapped. So what, what, let's have a look because finance comes up in therapy. We need to, let's have a little look. I'm not a finance expert, but let's have a look at little things that you're doing. What might you be able to do things differently? And I also refer people on to a special financial educator that I also work with to help people to begin to understand finance because we wouldn't often educated about these things one of my clients now he was made redundant from his 25 year old job depressed i said have you thought about going back to uni 
No, I can't go. Like, go and do an access course. Now he's in his second year. Loving it. Found out he's been dyslexic. Now his whole life makes sense in terms of why education was such a chore. He's just about to go and pick up a free a, a computer because it's funded by the university. He's absolutely loving it. Beautiful to see. And he's taken the student loan. I'm like, well, take the loan. You're 60 odd. By the time they want it, if you don't earn a certain amount over us, bruv, they ain't getting that, man. Go and live your best life. Come on, man. We're in the West. We're in the West. Take advantage. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. And, you know, like thinking about this, like, one of the reasons why I love this podcast is because I get so much from it as well. And I was just thinking about like, I'm really burnt out at the moment. I'm going on holiday next week and I really need it. But I've just had a day cancelled tomorrow. And my first thought was, do you know what? Like, all I need is just a day in, like, I just need a da- couple of hours in bed in the morning. Like, I'm so high energy. All my friends say I'm so high energy. And I'm listening to you going, do you know what? That, that, that morning in bed tomorrow morning, I'm just going to get out and go and do something. Like that's that's not going to be good for me to sit in bed for a couple of hours. Even though I think it is, I think that's going to be where I'm going to relax. I'm not going to relax. I'm going to be thinking about everything else. And selfishly, when I ask questions in this podcast, I get some great answers that instantly click. And that landed with me. I was just like, yes, Keely, I'm going to go out and do something completely different tomorrow. Keep the energy high, but still be able to relax away from my laptop and my phone and everything else that, that stresses me out. Another thing I was thinking of is... is um, so I, I think everyone, some of the most difficult things that happen in people's life is what creates and moulds them to be the absolute lighthouse that they are. And I can see that in your life. Like you've had this really tough situation and now you're this massive lighthouse. And I can see that along the journey, you've had these mentors that have come into your life. And I'm I'm sure I've known, known you for a short amount of time. It's because they've met you and gone, this energy, this vision, like where this person's going, like I'm going to help them along that way. And I think back about my situation. I, I was, I, was a, I had um, a massive drug problem from the, from the early twenties um, and it stayed with me, but all I was doing all the time was seeing therapists and going and seeing, seeing counselors. And I think there's this, like I talk to lots of people now and I, I always say to my wife, why did you save me for so long when I had this drug problem? She's like, because you're always trying to get help. Like you're always going to go and see different counsellors, which is amazing. And I look back and to me, that's that it felt the right thing to do all the time. But then I meet people all the time in life who are struggling from an addiction, a difficult relationship, money problems, depression, whatever it is. And then I say to them, look, you should go and speak to someone. And instantly brick wall comes up. And there's so much, like, I know we are dwindling budgets for help, but in still in this country, you can still go and get advice and help from people. Yes, it's a lot shorter now. But why do you think it is that so many people have this brick wall to, to getting help and asking for help? Well, typically, uh, statistically, white males are really poor at um, asking for help. That was even a part of the programme in the prison I worked with. Asking for help, the cognitive behavioural programmes, asking for help was an actual module because men statistically are particularly poor at asking for help. And that links to vulnerability, I believe. Not comfortable being vulnerable and the kind of stereotypes of what it means to be a man. So you've got all of those factors. I I think it's different with females. Um, I think we're much more open to looking within ourselves. I I think also what what i think sometimes people think we're going to go right in the archives and pull up all kinds of traumas and the reality is what you avoid it don't go nowhere you it deals with you anyway it deals with you in the subconscious it deals with you in your behavior it deals with you in your habits it deals with you in potentially low expectations it it is dealing with you when you confront it, that's a conscious choice. And whilst that will be uncomfortable initially, things reconfigure. So I think people are really fearful about what's in the closet. That's why people love a coach. This is where I am, this is where I wanna be. Oh, that's fine. But when your self-sabotage kicks in, you know, if you've got a good coach, hopefully they can support you. But self-sabotage often lays in the unconscious. And if they can't rummage around in there, if they can't support you with your unconscious, it will have an impact. So I think one of the challenges is avoidance. And, you know, the capitalist system encourages us to keep buying stuff to make ourselves feel better. L'Oreal, you're worth it. You know, so people are often under the illusion. I meet many, many a person who got the Range Rover, the Tesla, the house, the job, but they're miserable. 
Why? Because your mum never let you play the banjo. Go and play the banjo then, innit? Go and do banjo lessons. Be that grown person who's 42. Sit there and learn to play the banjo because that was always your dream. That that part of you never never is gone. So I, I think there is, there's, I mean, it's getting better because of, you know, America's promoting, you know, everybody's got a therapist. I think things are shifting. What I also see in the therapy room is, is I think a lot of men are also using their employee assistance programs. So if you've got a particular type of job, you may get Bupa insurance, AXA, Aviva insurance. So a lot of those corporate jobs can provide that. And throughout COVID, even now, I'm seeing a lot more people, especially men, who are choosing to use those services because they're more curious. They're a bit curious about themselves. They're all curious about, hold on, how come I drink so much? Or, you know, how come I keep having to have a sniff on a Friday night and it's now a Sunday night, Saturday night? I'm getting a little bit... I'm getting a bit curious about that. So that's that's always a blessing, that people are capitalising on their insurance, their their benefits from work to support them. Yeah, yeah, and and I love the fact that the, you, we, you people do get that support. We do it with our tree surgeons. They've all got access to a free mental health line and and and, and therapy if they need it. Um, but it's just trying to get them to get to that point. And you know, like just thinking when when you're talking, then it's like me getting therapy right now. Like as a boy, I wanted to be a water sports instructor. I've never done that. I'm gonna go and do that. Like I'm thinking now, like. I need to go and do that. I got laughed down by family going, what, you want to go and do that? That's not a job. That's not a real exactly. thing. So there's a, that part of you is never gone. Yeah, it's not. It's still there. I can feel it. Um, I can definitely feel it. And I feel very fortunate like that for me as a man, I go to vulnerability straight away. So I do this podcast. I talk about everything that's happened in my life from, from young to old. But I think that's like, you're right. I didn't, when I asked that question, I wasn't expecting to get that answer. And what's very close to my heart is, is, is male, male suicide in this country is, is like one of the biggest killers. And I think you're like, you're right. Like that I notice it with women and don't get me wrong. I know women have mental health challenges and I'm not taking that away, but like, um, women tend to be able to talk more openly like you you go and meet up your girls and you go and talk like we go and meet up our mates down the pub and it's like right how's your week yeah shit oh come on then let's get let's get on it let's have a few beers let's get a bag in let's like you know don't worry about that let's just get high and, we'll, and everything will be all right and then tw 12 o'clock the next day when you can't sleep and you're in your own room your mates aren't there then it's just yourself and your thoughts and you've got to try and decipher all that when you're feeling feeling ropey and um when i ask that question because i know there'll be people listening to this podcast that will be 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 on in that zone potentially of of of, of wanting to get help but they're not quite sure where to go um so that answer was absolutely bang on so thank you thank you for that keely it really really means a lot and it's, it's helped me and i think if we can help drop the bar of vulnerability and we have more people like you that are absolute lighthouses who are showing people the way and saying okay like this is this is where i've been this is where I'm. This is where I've gone, and now I want to help people. I want to try and find the. I want to try and find the potential in people. Then you know the the world generally is going to be a better place with those lighthouses like you in it. I just want them to see the potential in themselves, and that your depression makes sense. Your depression will make sense when you realise you haven't said yes to the part of you that wants to be a swimming instructor or go and try, you know, something different. Once once you begin to get to the root cause, the abandoned dreams. And then you, it's our responsibility to then pursue that. And I think men, men, I think the thing about vulnerability is about inadequacy. And then you're looking at shame and shame is visceral. Shame is a body-based reaction. And it's all of those things that, you know, I'm working with a lovely gentleman at the moment, not for therapy. He don't like therapies. He don't like talking to those people, but because I'm linguistically diverse, I could adapt my language to support him. There's no point me, to, you know, speaking extra, vo you know, the extended vocab. It's not going to work. But but I'm from the grassroots. So if we have to talk, that's fine. I can talk like that so that we connect. So it circumnavigates the resistance. And that's, I guess that's about me as a therapist and my history, my history, which means I'm very adapt. That's where my, what was a disadvantage has become advantageous because it means that I can assist and adapt to different people to really get to the heart of the matter and i think when you find a therapist and it's a great match yes miracles occur 
Yeah, and I absolutely love that because you're you're going to a language place that that suits that that gentleman. And I think it's I love your take on it because it's not a one size fits all. It's not like you've got a big a big luminous sign saying I help people release their potential because that's not going to sing to everybody, is it? Because someone's going to walk past that and go, I don't fucking need that. I'm depressed. I don't even know what my potential is. Um, so then bringing it down to a language to be able to draw people in to be able to then help them, like I think that's genius. Like that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you're circumnavigating the kind of traditional stiff you know, I'm the analyst, I know what's best, you, like, that doesn't, let's have a chat, come on, let's have a chat, what's going on? And people, people, once they feel that you're safe, there's no judgment, it just unfurls in really beautiful ways, really, ah, uh, just reminding me, guy I'm working with on Saturday, beautiful ways, we discovered, after about session three, I thought, I think he's autistic, you know, Um, and, you know, we're at session 15 now, he's gone, he's had his assessment, it's, you know, he's re he came to me for narcissism, but there was just the way that he was engaging with me that I just felt there was this missing link, you know, because obviously that has an impact on emotion. A lot of people get autistic people confused with narcissists. The reason he doesn't connect emotionally is not, he's not narcissistic, he's wired differently, that's neurodiversity. And that for me is, it's just, it's such a precious moment to watch someone come out of their skin and make the stuff make sense to them. They make sense to themselves. And, you know, you started art classes now. I have no idea where it will take him. It's just wonderful to see. People think it's all doom and gloom. It's not. No, it's, it's not. not. Finding out who you, who you are. Like I've been in the self-development world for a while and we go to, I go to all these different shows and, and events and things and I'm around a lot of positive therapist people. And I was a terrible child. Um, and people keep saying to me, are you sure you don't have ADHD, Henry? And I was like, well, I've never, I was never diagnosed with it, but I don't know whether I have or not, but I'm then now looking into ADHD and going, oh, okay, so the reason why I stand up every 15 minutes, every time I do that, this is why, and understanding that then it makes me realise why I do certain things and I'm not conforming the same way everyone else Absolutely. conforms. My therapist like thinks I've got it. Mm. Yeah, my therapist said, I think you've got it. And I thought, all right, cool. I will, don't bother me. What am I going to do about it? It, is, it makes sense in terms of why I might need to, you know, while I'll have 20 windows open on the laptop and can never complete one task. So now she's mentioned a, an app that I use. You put the timer on for 30 minutes, 30 minutes, you just do one task, you don't deviate. Small yeah. hacks. Yeah, love know. that. And once you understand your set self, then you can you can do these things, right? So absolutely, absolutely amazing. So we're just coming towards the end of the show, Keely. I'd love it to carry on going, but... Um, mm. it, it, we, but, but we've got lives. We've got lives, we have. Um, uh, one question, what does fail forward mean to you? Fail forward. There is no fail, there is only feedback. Love it, love it, love it. Absolutely love that. What a way to end. So thank you so much, Keely, for coming on. If people want to get hold of you to help release their potential, be in a, in a sticky relationship, whatever reason why they want to come to you, how can they get hold of you best? Keyforchange.com amazing love that and we'll put this all in the in, in in the group net notes so thank you so much for coming on to the fail for podcast today keely you've been amazing i've been on a journey i've got some work to do when i get when i when i come away from this swimming instructor so, next time i see you henry i want your badge yes. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. So thanks so much for coming on. If you've loved this episode like I have, please like, share um, and subscribe to the episode. Thanks, Keely, for coming on board. Bye.